0: Welcome to episode 49 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This month, we are looking at the second last episode of season two, Our Town. The original air date was May 12th, 1995. The average IMDb user score is 7.9, and the bulk of the action takes place in Arkansas. Mulder and Scully are called in in what they think is an assignment that's just Meant to be screwing around with them, only Mulder thinks there's more to it because this town has a history of disappearances and, in particular, driving one person insane because of what he'd seen. And what he saw involved large circular scorch marks on the ground. So it looks like Mulder is thinking, hey, this might be an alien invasion or an alien abduction case. At least that's the first track he gets onto. Now, we've already seen in the teaser as viewers that it's a lot more to it than that. The teaser opens with a pretty young woman luring an older gentleman into the woods, saying that, no, he has to chase her, he's got to catch her. We see, but she doesn't, that he's got some sort of medical condition that he's taking pills for, appears to be causing bursts of chest pain or something along those lines. When he does catch up with her, there are actually a number of people in the area, and one of them is in a ceremonial mask, and the group kill him. It's his disappearance that brings Mulder and Scully in through the FBI missing persons jurisdiction. And when they arrive, things don't go quite the way they expect. They've got a sheriff who's not hopeful, not suspicious about what they suspect, but he's cooperating. It's, you know, they ask to talk to people and he says, yeah, sure, I'll get you the information. You can talk to them if you want, but this is probably what they're going to say. I honestly think you're wasting your time. So kind of discouraging, but not uncooperative. We soon find out that there's a disease that's not very common and not very communicable. It is, in fact, mad cow disease, and it's hitting multiple people in town at rates that are alarming. And this is something that up to this point hadn't really been associated with Mad Cow, at least not in the public eye. The, you know, the big Mad Cow scare hadn't happened yet. So this is the case of X-Files writers finding something scary before the scare happens rather than vice versa. And Skelly's the one who's actually able to use that piece to do the deduction of what's going on here. They're in a town of cannibals. They do eventually track it down and find out that the cannibalistic rituals in use are being used to prolong life. This attractive young woman was considerably older than we thought. Actress Gabrielle Miller, who is best known to Canadians for her later role on Corner Gas. She's also known for Down River, Brothers and Sisters, One Dead Indian, and so forth, primarily in roles that follow after The X-Files. In fact, this is her 12th credit following sliders. On the IMDb, we'll see other credits, including Stargate SG-1 and so forth, 80 credits total, her first of two appearances as two completely different characters on the X-Files. At the time this episode aired, she was 22, but her character is in her late 40s. They keep tracking and going through. They find out that her grandfather, who founded Chaco Chicken, which is a plant that essentially built the town by giving it a major economic power, he spent some time overseas and he's the leader of the cannibalistic group, although the followers seem to be ready for other leadership. Because it's not about togetherness or extending life. Now it's about dealing with fear and being afraid of getting old and being afraid of others coming into town. So it turns out that this murder was orchestrated, and his widow, who claims that she just figured he was stepping out with another woman, realizes there's a lot more to it. And they eventually get involved. She's ready to spill the beans, but she calls and reports that, but Scully isn't able to get there in time. Mulder is able to get there in time to save Scully from the cannibals who kidnapped her. In that victim's home, and we're going to sacrifice her as well as Walter Chaco, the guy who founded it, due to the ideological differences. And they're able to put it all together. Although Walter Chaco's body was never found. Now there are other things along the way that shows that they really did a lot of research into cannibalism. Chaco is named for Chaco Canyon, where they found evidence that the Anansi tribe was participating in cannibalistic behavior among its members. There is evidence of pot boiling where. Bones are in pots with meat covering the middle, so the outer edges where there is no meat gets polished from running through the pot and boiling water and gets worn down while the rest of the bone doesn't show the same level of degradation and erosion. Well, it's a nice, creepy little episode. Again, very human villains who are, you know no different from anyone else aside from their longevity. So it is a very human type of monster we're dealing with, including a lot of the mob mentality. So as far as that's concerned, it is a well-constructed episode. Now, when we get into the cast and crew, as we typically do, we've got a few notable names here. We've got Caroline Cava. This is her only appearance on the X-Files as Doris Kerns, widow of the murdered man. That's about halfway through her 39-credit biography. Now, 39 credits doesn't sound like a lot until you start looking at which credits she's got. So we're looking at the Max Headroom TV series, the Little Nikita movie, the Equalizer TV series, Quantum Leap TV series, Star Trek The Next Generation, L.A. Law, multiple episodes of Law & Order, Dawson's Creek, The Practice. She's known for Born on the Fourth of July, Year of the Dragon, Snow Falling on Cedars. So not a huge resume, but a very respectable resume. And we also have John Milford, who passed away just a few years after this episode was filmed, and he plays Walter Chaco. He's got 164 credits to his name, including General Hospital, Command & Conquer Game, the 1979 Spider-Woman animated series, Picket Fences, Jake and the Fat Man, Simon & Simon, Dallas, MacGyver. So he's one of the guys that has had guest starring roles on just about every major series that was running in the 70s and 80s. And we have Gary Grubbs as the Sheriff, who's known for JFK, Project Almanac, Ray, and the Astronaut's Wife. So this follows his role in JFK. He's got 166 credits to his name. He is still acting today. This is his only appearance on The X-Files as Sheriff Tom Ahrens, but he's got a number of other credits, both before and after. This is Timothy Weber's second appearance. In this case, he's Jess Harold. He's already played Detective Talbot in Tombs back in Season 1, and he will appear again for his third and final appearance as a third character in Quagmire in Season 3. But he also has a number of series and credits to his name, including MacGyver, Wise Guy, several episodes of Street Justice, North of 60, Black Harbor, Call of the Wild, The Updated Outer Limits from the 1990s, Cold Squad, Stargate SG 1. And he's actually currently appearing or has appeared recently as The Apprentice in eight episodes of Once Upon a Time. Probably best known for Cypher, North of 60, Seventh Son, and The Grey Fox. Now, John McLaren appears in his first of two X-Files appearances as George Kern. So he's the murder victim that kicks it all off with that mad cow disease that is passed on by digestion. He's also appeared in The Day After Tomorrow, Double Jeopardy, Capote, Savior. So again, a respectable resume. Robin Mosley appears in his second of three X-Files appearances. We previously saw him as Dr. Joe Ridley in Young at Heart. We'll see him again in Terma, but he's also been in The Outer Limits, Hawkeye, multiple episodes of MacGyver as a recurring character named Wilt, Dudley do Hope Island, and we'll discuss him again in the spin-off The Lone Gunman in a few years' time. Now, Hrothgar Matthews has an interesting role in this. He is barely in this episode. He's got 106 credits to his name total. His role in this episode is a guy on the video screen who went crazy there 30 years ago. So, it's like it's stock footage. This is his third of four appearances on The X-Files. We previously saw him in The Jersey Devil. He was a voice on the phone and the host. Now, he's a mental patient in here and will appear again in Talitha later. He's also been in Sliders, Bad Moon, Excess Baggage, Stargate SG-1, The New V, Supernatural. He's probably best known for his works in Reindeer Games, The Core, and Repeaters. Now, this is Robert Maloney's first of two X-Files appearances. He's got 89 credits to his name, but Man of Steel and Disturbing Behavior are probably the next two highest profile projects. Carrie Kane-Sparks makes her first of three appearances in The X-Files here. She is the maid to Walter Chaco. She had previously been seen in Rumble in the Bronx, in Prophet, would later be seen in Mr. Magoo, in The Man with Samuel L. Jackson, and Eugene Levy. 20 credits to her name. The keys on this one are really on the production side. We've got Rob Bowman directing again. We last saw his direction just a couple of weeks back in FM Escalada, and we'll see it again in the second episode of season three of his 33 episode stints. And the more notable name here is Frank Spotnitz, at least in terms of the history of the show. He would ultimately write 44 episodes of The X-Files, or actually 48, with 44 written by credits, three story by credits, and one teleplay credit. This is his second episode. So previous to this, he had just done Endgame, which says a lot about the strength of his writing that he comes in on a myth arc episode because those are ones that Chris Carter was very picky about. We'll be seeing a lot more of him as we go forward right into the final season of the series. We'll also see five episodes to his credit or eight total in The Lone Gunman when we cover that spin-off. So while it was Frank Spotnitz that came in with the Cannibals angle to this, he credits Howard Gordon with giving him the idea of having it start off with that love affair to kick things off. So to have something that's relatively commonplace and somewhat mundane be the thing that just blows the lid off this town's secret. And Rob Bowman was brought into direct. As we've said many times, he's got a very strong visual sense and style. And that's something you need in this episode. As he said, this episode scared him to make because when he saw the mask that the you know head of the rituals, the cannibal executioner, was going to be wearing at the time, He knew if he didn't shoot this right, it was just going to look goofy and silly and destroy the episode, but he did a very good job of keeping things together in terms of the visuals. Now, this particular episode of the podcast is a little bit heavier on cast and crew because this is an episode that doesn't have a lot of long-term contributions to the story. They really did like to have standalones sort of bumpering or buffering on either side of major myth arc episodes and mostly almost completely standalones just to give that breathing space, and that's what it is because next week, in two weeks' time, we're going to see the episode that IMDb voters have voted the best episode of the series. This is Anasazi, the Season 2 finale, and that's an episode that gives me a lot more stuff to talk about. So we'll make this one a short one and regroup in two weeks when we discuss Anasazi, and then the week after that, we'll do a Season 2 overall recap before going into Season 3. Thank you for listening. Intro and outro music is Outside Poolside by Laswell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content copyright 2015, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments or feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.